Good morning, Gospel Life. This is Pastor Eric coming to you from my office in beautiful Genoa, Illinois, on this, the 10th day of January 2021. And yes, it is three days too late to return 2021. Your seven day free trial has expired, and now we all must pay in a certain way, one way or another. But hey, either way, welcome back. It's good to see everyone. And uh, just, you know, there's certainly been no shortage of things going on in the world lately, but that really hasn't ever stopped. There's always a good amount of things going on in the world because anywhere there's people, there's definitely sin and issues and problems. And so with that being the case, it's not surprising at all, is it? And so just to start with a couple announcements, I see that this still hasn't even moved over to start timing yet, but just a couple announcements. Uh, all of our community groups are up and active. The ladies, uh, sorry, they start this week, uh, starting in 1 Corinthians. Our prayer group is starting next uh, Wednesday, and men's Bible study is next Thursday. And so there is plenty of opportunity to meet and gather throughout the week. And be a part of something bigger than yourself or your very small little lives. In fact, we are called to be the church. So, again, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm thinking about uh, what's going on here because the, the, the sermon title and my wife, she keeps bringing this up. She's like, Eric, you need to talk in a southern accent so that when you talk about the revelation and the glory of the Lord's Christ, it can be in a little bit of a southern drawl, if you will, and that, uh, you know, it might play off a little more. And you're going to sound like the Southern Baptist type of preacher that was trained in these types of things. And so uh, it's <laughs> kind of funny, but I want you all the rest to share. It's in the text, man. I'm not like reinventing the wheel, I promise. I'm just explaining scripture, and the scripture talks explicitly about the revelation and glory of the Lord's Christ. And so let me say it like this so that we can know and we can see it in our own name. Hearing the gospel brings new life through the Bible growing his church. There's a reason I say it like that, because the gospel is of first importance. It changes people. You know, last week I ended the sermon and talked briefly about how I'm just going to tell everybody I love Jesus. But there's reasons why I love Jesus. And it's not because of what he's done for me. It's about who he is and the character of who he is in the midst of the crazy that surrounds us on a regular daily basis. And it's within that gospel that I'm going to do this brief introduction for you guys. And play along because this is your story too. So... My name is Eric Gross. I am a sinner saved by grace. I am a sinner because I have gone astray from God's design and his way, and I have followed my own way. Like all we like sheep have been led astray, each to his own way, and I am that human being. And I have hurt myself as well as other people because of my sin. But Praise be to God because of his son Jesus, because he has saved me by grace, by his unmerited favor, by showing me mercy, not giving me the punishment that I have, you know, so rightly deserve for the atrocities that my sin has caused. And so salvation is because of Jesus coming to earth, living the perfect sinless life on my behalf taking the punishment that I so rightly deserve and 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 here he has propitiated me he has saved me ultimately from the wrath of God he has atoned for my sins by his works and not only that has he propitiated me and saved me from God's wrath by his blood, but he has redeemed me by his blood on the cross. He has bought me back from the slavery of sin so that I could actually possibly lead some semblance of a righteous life while here on earth. But more so than that, my Lord hasn't just saved me and he hasn't saved me from 
the wrath of God by atoning through propitiation, and certainly redemption, isn't it? But he's done more, more than that even. He has justified me. He has declared me righteous. He was that great substitution in my life that says, Eric, you, my righteousness is yours and your sin is mine. It has been laid upon me in such a way that I can be justified. And also, because I've been justified, I have been reconciled. I have been restored to a right and real relationship with the creator of heaven and earth and everything in it. And it still blows my mind to this day, nine years later after salvation, that the Lord would actually care intimately about the details of our lives and my life in itself. And even though he's reconciled me to be able to have this right and real relationship, to see the world for what it really is, I have been adopted into his kingdom. I am a son of the Lord Most High. I am a member of Christ's church. I have been brought into God's amazing family with purpose and meaning and dignity and respect. And there's more! I am being sanctified by the blessing of the Holy Spirit that God has provided me when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came as the great comforter, who is also the revealer of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. And this sanctification, this process, this changing on a regular a regular day-to-day -day basis is all, again, because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And it's changing me. I've been saved. I'm being changed. And there's more still because... At some point in time, I will be with God in heaven, and I will be glorified for whatever reason that may be. But it's biblical truth, and it's scripture, that God doesn't see me as Eric. He sees me as his son, sinless and blameless and above reproach. So that when, again, all of these facets working together, the salvation, the propitiation, the redemption, the justification, the reconciliation, the adoption, the sanctification, the glorification, not even talking about the predestination or the election. And let me say this too, you cannot have one of these without the others. They're complete. It's the package. And you know what that package is called? It's called the gospel. And so we look at the world and we look at the brokenness that's out there in the world. We are all sinners saved by grace, by God in the first and foremost. So when you look at the problems of the world, what needs to be fixed, people need to be fixed because we are ultimately the problem. And so this sermon in this, the revelation and glory of the Lord's Christ. No, I'm not saying it again in a southern accent. But the revelation and glory of the Lord's Christ is that salvation has come for all nations in the person of Jesus. And why? Because we all need redemption. And this is all because, ultimately, God chose to save us as his church through the revelation and the glory of his Christ. Because I have heard things that you can't be a Christian if, and that is such nonsense. And I've actually lost a lot of respect for a lot of people uh, just these past six months, let alone these past couple weeks, uh, that they're limiting the gospel, saying you can't be a Christian if, and that's nonsense. Because there's no reason on earth that Eric has deserved or earned or done anything for this salvation. But God has acted and God continues to act. And God waits patiently in this time with long suffering for sons and daughters to be revealed and to still come to him before this world does eventually go away. Because it will. You know, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth. This is gospel truth as well. And so it makes me wonder, are we believing this gospel truth? 
do you really understand salvation and propitiation and redemption and justification and reconciliation and adoption and sanctification and the ultimate glorification because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God to actually care about humanity in the first place? Whoo! Praise the Lord! Amen! Like, man, like, love Jesus. And that's just part of the reason why, ultimately, we can love Jesus in any and all moments and life. And so, man, praise God in all of this. And there is no limiting to the gospel. There is no limiting to who can be saved because it is quite literally for all people and all nations. So, let's get into this text. Let's pray. Let's worship the living God as best as we can from where we're at in this moment today. So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your salvation and through your Son, Jesus. I thank you for opening our eyes, revealing the truth to us through the Holy Spirit, that this world is broken, that this world is a problem, and that it all ultimately starts with me as a sinner. And so we want these problems fixed. We want these problems changed. What we really want, Lord, is we want the gospel to go out strong. We want to meet new brothers and sisters. We want to see you change lives because Jesus saves you and Jesus then changes you. And Lord, I thank you for that because we as the church are the living testimony to this amazing grace and mercy of God. And so, Lord, bless this time as we approach your word. Fill us with the spirit. Allow us to to see this text rightly, and then to go forward boldly in your name. All this I pray in our Lord and Savior Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. And so, brothers and sisters, Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 40, reads a little something like this. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. All right. First point. Amen. Praise the Lord for his word. Salvation has come for all nations. You see this amazing story, and we need to break this down, obviously, a little bit more and talk certainly about the certainty of the good news, as Luke is explaining in this, going back, tying the Old Testament promised Messiah to the New Testament and the revealed Son of God in Jesus Christ. 
And so this salvation coming for all nations, starting in verse 20 through to 24, it's important just to see, again, this tying back of the Old Testament to the New Testament and why they were there. We really could go back and include verse 21 in this as well, where it says at the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angels. And again, this is about rituals in a sense, or this is about honoring God, uh, religion in, in its finest, if you will, because this is all uh, rituals that Israel performed for purification purposes as well as honoring God purposes. So just so you know, in these verses, 23 through 24, there are three different like ceremonies that are involved in this. First is the purification after 40 days for the mother who gave birth to a child. The whole, I'm going to have a belly, or, you know, a, a, a baby come out of me. It's messy. It's a little ugly. There's a purification ritual for it. This comes back from Leviticus chapter 12. Um, next comes the presentation of the firstborn to God. And this can be witnessed in Exodus chapter 13 as well as Exodus chapter 34, as well as Numbers chapter 18, that the firstborn who breaks the womb of whether it's a human being or a beast of the field is presented to God, in a sense, the firstborn through a ritual. And then after this, the presentation of the firstborn to God, then there's a dedication of the firstborn into the Lord's service. This doesn't necessarily mean for everyone in this, but this goes back to what Hannah did for Samuel back in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2, this dedication that the, he is yours. And there's, there's no doubt in any of this that Jesus, again, is following all of this. Not to mention in this, it shows the piety. It shows that Jesus is raised in a home that honored God in the faith of Judaism. Uh, believe it or not, it also shows that Jesus was raised in humble beginnings because the whole thing about two turtle doves or two pigeons, God originally wants a lamb. But if you don't have a lamb, then you give him two, two pigeons or two turtle doves, one for the sin offering and one for um, the other offering. I'm not thinking, but don't lose track of this. Again, just showing that, that it's poor, that they're coming from a humble background, if you will. And more so, too, what we, what we miss about this, and especially living in the times that we do with the glory of Jesus as we do, that Jesus is our mediator. But in order to talk and commune with God in the first place, because he is holy and we are sinners, these types of purification rituals, the presentations, the dedications, all were ways that we could prepare and actually talk to God. I have to confess I'm a little guilty of this myself because this is all about a relationship with God. Again, we talk about reconciliation. We talk about being adopted into his kingdom. But this reconciliation that happened through Jesus so that I'm no longer an enemy of God, that has allowed us, because of what Jesus has done, to freely communicate with God. Uh, in, in without having to do these rituals. I mean, the, you know, you realize that the only reason that we don't do all of these purification type of rituals or presentations or dedications anymore is because Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And that he even says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, which is, you know, the most religious people of the day, that we will not get into heaven. So we need that righteousness of Christ in this. And we also need to respect God in the way that God needs respect for this. Because he has brought salvation for all nations. He has kept his promises. He's kept his said, his covenantal commitment, his steadfast love to Israel through all the patriarchs of the past, whether it be Abraham or Moses or Joseph or uh, King David. I mean, the list goes on and on of people that he's used over, over time. And so we see that. And just to think about that in this, that all righteousness is completed by Christ. He is living. And Luke keeps pointing to that, as well as bringing up all the rituals and the prophecy that talks about the coming of the Messiah, 
showing that he's doing it all and that he's actually here at the same time too. And so praise the Lord for that and in that sentence and to continue to see that we can approach God so much easier today and that is worthy of praise living in this time because they don't have the canon of scripture they don't know the whole stories you know they're doing it by word of mouth and spreading it and here we are we have all these truths but it feels like we abandon all of these truths for whatever is in front of us in the world because that's more important because that's tangible and real well, let me tell you, your eternal life is way more real than the temporary things that we're going through in this present time. And so, we see this next character in verse 25 to 26. His name is Simeon. And we don't know much about him at all, other than he was a man in Jerusalem, and this man's name was Simeon. And then it says these three things about him that cause us to wonder, in a sense. And so, this man was righteous and devout. So, we know that apart from Christ, no one ultimately meets God's righteous standard. So, when we see that someone is righteous or devout, it means that they actually care and have a relationship with God at this moment in time. You know, Job was righteous before God. Many of the prophets were labeled as righteous before God. And then, of course, being devout means that God is important to them. And so we see that, that he is this type of guy. Again, Luke is bringing about all these witnesses and all these characters uh, throughout Scripture in itself. And this is just another one of those men, uh, another, another Jew who is righteous and devout. And then this is the important thing. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. So this is encouragement and comfort, and this definitely deals with prophecy. Uh, if you have a moment while I talk about the Spirit, turn to Isaiah chapter 40 and we'll talk briefly about consolation here in a second. But again, Luke points this out so much in all of these that they, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so the Simeon character, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit is the reason we have the revelation of Jesus Christ in the first place. There is no one who hasn't heard the name of Jesus. But until he is the revealed Son of God, brought to us by the Holy Spirit, to fully understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus himself, that we have this, and the Holy Spirit, and we see that. And so this consolation of Israel, hopefully you've turned to Isaiah chapter 40 now. I just want to talk to you briefly about this, because this is kind of the, the turn the corner. Um, I don't want to give you a big background on Isaiah, but Isaiah is technically three different books written in three different time periods that have been put together. This chapter 40 is the beginning of the second book. It contains so many amazing uh, like promises of God as well as prophecies of God, and it all starts with this, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then this chapter 40, as it keeps going on and on, we see this uh, exactly John the Baptist, what's going on here. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And then we see the eternal nature of God, which I've given a sermon on too, chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. The voice says, cry, and what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever, for he is eternal. And then I love... When we see this in, uh, like, Paul quoting this in uh, Romans chapter 11. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he may be repaid? And then ultimately he finishes it. For from him and to him and through him are all things. But, again, comfort for the people. And we see the nature and the character of God, and we see that he's going to move. And then how this chapter finishes is brilliant. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Make no mistake, Israel has gone through many, 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 many challenges throughout the Old Testament. And most of them brought on by themselves. We're always like, oh, if I just had proof. Well, Israel had proof. I don't know how you get brought through a sea, been given food every day, and yet we still can't acknowledge or give God the respect that uh, he rightly deserves. And so it shows a massive weakness because of sin in our lives. And so the Simeon character, going back to verse 25 and 26 of Luke, he is righteous and devout. He, you know, obviously he's a God lover. He's a Theophilus, if you will, a lover of God. He's waiting for the comfort for Israel, the encouragement, the restoration of Israel. And he's been filled with God's Holy Spirit to be able to prophesy. And that's exactly what he goes on to do here. And what he prophesies is surely nothing short of amazing. Just like imagining being Mary and Joseph coming to Jerusalem, going to the temple, and then you got this guy coming up, and, and you have no idea who he is, but he sees your baby Jesus, and then he just takes him in his arms and blesses God and starts speaking. And this is what he says. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So, surely this is prophetic. And know that this has a, a name in itself. Um, it's called the Nun Demitis. The Nun Demitis. Remember, we had the Magnificate, we had the Benedictus. Now we have the Nun Demitis, which means now dismissed. And so this... And what he's talking about here is repeated many times in that second book of Isaiah. Uh, three times. Three out of the four servant songs that are listed that speak about Jesus coming and what he's going to do for the world is highlighted through this. And so, um, very briefly, if if you want to read more about this, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 10, and Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3, all speak very clearly about God's salvation and being a light for all people, not just Israel anymore. And so here's what he really says in 49, 6 that opens the door and allows the Jewish nation to see that salvation isn't just for the Jews anymore. God says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that this salvation, this, because Israel has kind of had, you know, a, a lock on the God, the creator of the universe. But God's like, nah, I'm going to open it up for the rest of humanity, the rest of the world, because he is still the God of the Gentiles, just the same as he is the God of the Jews, because he is that one true God that exists and that still exists today and will continue to exist long after this world passes away in itself. And so we see that prophecy is talking about the presence of all peoples. Salvation is not just for the Jews anymore. What it is is a light of revelation to the Gentiles, which again goes back to the Isaiah verses, make you a light for the nations that salvation may reach the ends of the earth, and then a glory for your people Israel. And I actually like what Paul says most in, in Romans chapter 9 when he talks about Israel. He kind of sums it up. Because they were the first chosen people. Um, make no mistake that, that they are still God's chosen people. And he will always have a special place in his heart for them. But he has expanded not just from the nation of Israel, but to the church. 
to all nations. And so what Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, and I would also encourage you to read Romans chapter 9 and verse 10 to understand the salvation and to see what God has done uh, in making a light to the world and reaching the ends of the earth and not just having the Jews be God's chosen people, but having others grafted in to the vine of God. It is a beautiful expression. But they say, they are Israelites, and to them belongs the adoption, they were the chosen people, the glory, because they get to work with God, the creator of heaven and earth and everything in it, the covenants, God has created uh, you know, there's covenants starting with uh, Abraham, you know, actually starting with Noah, uh, to save people. And this is how people are saved through these covenants. It would take a while to explain all the covenants. But he's given them the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law to understand our sin, but also to show God's holiness, his right way, how different he is from the world. They've given the worship. And they've been given all the promises of God. And then, to them belong the patriarchs, which, again, are all of the, the big names that you've heard throughout the Bible. You know, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and on and on and on and on. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. And so, this glory to the people of Israel is the fruition of the promises of God that has happened. And this is where the, the sermon title doesn't need to be to, to be said in you know Southern anymore because it is the revelation and glory of the Lord's Christ that has changed the world and will continue to change the world, but it's on a person by person basis. You know, the thing about it is when you think about all the challenges that exist in the world, the gospel absolutely has a remedy to every single one of them because you need to see things how God sees things. You need to stop seeing things how the media spins it or how your friends spin it or what you think you see or what you think you know. Because, I mean, what we really know versus what there is to know is quite different, quite a big change like of, of all that's you know in life. And so praise the Lord that he changes this because again, if things are ever going to be fixed, which I don't anticipate them to be, because God has a promise for a new heaven and a new earth, so it doesn't make sense why we're so bent on on saving this where we should be bent on loving God and loving people and worrying about the salvation of souls rather than political beliefs or racial tensions. These are certainly important things, but the gospel remedies all of these things because until you know and understand the design for life and understand God himself through the, the personal testimony and the witness of Christ, as well as all of them around you, as well as members of the church, uh, you know, you can really just expect those things to not change because people are still going to be people and they're still going to be led astray each to their own way. And right now in our country, very simply, everyone's right and everyone's wrong. And that's just how we are. And, and it, that might not make a ton of sense and I don't want to spend a ton of time dwelling on it. But it's the absolute truth because no one's at fault. It's always someone else's fault. And so everyone's right. But at the same time, everyone's wrong because it's not your way. It's God's way. Because when we look at the options for life, there's God's way right here, right? And then there's everyone else's way. And everyone else's way is like a gazillion million different ways because that's just, well, that's how we work it. And so we see that. And so the salvation has come again to all nations and to all people through the promise of the Messiah and his eyes have seen your salvation it's not that his eyes have seen the Messiah it's not that his eyes have seen the Christ his eyes have seen the salvation of God and how that works go back to how I started this and start thinking about the you know, what, what we talked about as far as salvation and propitiation and redemption and justification, reconciliation, adoption, sanctification, glorification, election, 
and so on and so forth because God's gospel is full and meaty and it is righteous and it is good and it is the thing that will change your life as it has changed mine as it continues to change members of the church in and of itself and then of course here's the thing of what it does and you see this in verse 33 and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him which i find fascinating anyway because they've already gone through the you know the, the virgin birth and you know they've had shepherds come and you know all these other different things and then now this guy just kind of grabs jesus in the middle of the jerusalem temple and starts praising god it might be a memorable moment <laughs> It might be a memorable moment and so that's where i'm assuming luke got this information from when he talked to mary and joseph about this and so simeon blessed them and said to mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many of israel and a sign that is opposed and so hearts will be tested under pressure our hearts are constantly tested under pressure you know you, you think about this um especially in current events and you see that a nation was divided because of, of Jesus right because here is this Messiah that has come what do you mean I don't earn it what do you mean I don't do it anymore and and people hated Jesus and it's pretty common to expect that people are not gonna like us because they don't like Jesus the same and so because they don't like Jesus, because our hearts are tuned away from God, God's going to work on our hearts. He's going to make them malleable and soft, and he's going to change our hearts. And no, I'm not talking about the blood-pumping organ within our chest. I'm talking about the epicenter of everything that you are. It is your body, it's your mind, it's your soul, it's your spirit, it's your worldview, your way of your way of thinking in its entirety he's going to work within that it's malleable and he's going to change that and then whenever i see and a sword will pierce through your own soul also i think about what was said in hebrews the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces to the vision of of joint and marrow and bone and holy spirit and discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart and then I also think about how faith comes from hearing, and hearing has to come from the Word of God. And these things that He's going to do with us to change us, a sign that is opposed. And you see throughout the rest of the Gospel the opposition. And you, in mothers, I know that you can see this, I know that you can respect this. Um, the, your child, you, you have a special bond and a special connection with. And, and that we can see in even in this next section that jesus is going to continue to challenge mary in a variety of different ways we see in the next section that jesus is left behind so he's thought to be lost we see that he's going to be hated and then mary has to watch her son the blessing of god go to the cross for the salvation of men and that's not easy and that's not easy at all and she's going to be challenged and, and she's going to struggle make no mistake about that and for us to expect not to be challenged for us to expect not to have any struggle would be foolish on, on our part because Jesus says in the Gospel of John behold in this world you will face tribulation but behold I have overcome the world and he's defeated it and we can take a deep breath because victory is in Jesus and will be and there's nothing we can do to lose that because God's plan is always going to come to fruition at the proper timing and so Jesus changes lives don't ever forget it there's the text right there thoughts from many hearts may be revealed he is going to be appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. The fall of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day and the rise of God's chosen people. And that the hearts of these people will be revealed and it's the hearts of these people that are going to be changed and it's our hearts that are still changed today too, just the same. And even in today's current events, our hearts are being changed. 
I know that there is a ton of hate going on. I know that there are people who I respect that are saying ridiculous things. Uh, and it's not so much the things that are said, it's much more the fact that we need to say them for some reason. And we need to be praising one man while defaming another man. So when I look on social media a lot these days, I see a lot of sin. So I hope that there is a lot of repentance that follows that lot of sin. Because we can't seem to praise the Lord, but we can praise all kinds of other people, places, things, ideals, ideologies. And I, I, I quite frankly don't get it, but I'm just as guilty at times. And it just shows the rampantness of sin because I can't even control the way that my mind thinks or feels. So Lord, have mercy on me. Continue to change my heart and continue to make me not, you know, hate, but to love other people and to see where they're coming from in a good way. And so that, brothers and sisters, is all part of the revelation and glory of the Lord's Christ, that salvation has come for all nations. And then to finish it in point two here, it's very simply, we all need redemption. We are all sinners. And so while Anna, certainly in the section, um, you know, I'm certainly not picking on her. There's nothing negative that's been said about her or anything like that, you know, in this. But what she says at the end of verse 38, and, and you know, at that very hour and coming at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, Israel as a nation has gone through a lot. They are God's chosen nation. They are the only nation that is God's chosen nation. And so be very clear about that understanding of Scripture. And so with that, you see that Israel needed redemption. And they're talking specifically about Jerusalem. And we could go even more specifically about the temple in Jerusalem and the worship that was going on there and you know some of the practices going on in that day but understand that sin leads us astray sin is the problem with the world today and it all starts with us individually we see that god was working with these people we see that god his glory his hand was at work in all aspects of their lives throughout the redemptive history in the old testament and so, because God was at work in their lives, you would think that, you know, they might be more, quote-unquote, righteous and devout, but they're not. We're, we're all easily led astray by the ways and the wonders of the world. If only there was some, you know, super simple way to be like, okay, like, I'm going to have my eyes on Jesus and that's it. And the truth of the matter is, is, is that, you know, while we say that, when we make things as if we're making you know a new year's resolution that we imply this legalism on ourselves and then because of some of the brokenness of sin that legalism we're like nah i'm not going to do it we we naturally revolt against it because it's like this is something we know we need to do so i'm just not going to do it so praise be to god that he has this salvation and in this story this 36 to 40 in this prophetess anna you know, you don't see very much from her. And it's interesting that they talk about her, her widowness in a sense. Um, she, clearly, she was a familiar figure at the temple, uh, advanced in years. You know, she having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. So they were only married for seven years. And then as a widow until she was 84. It doesn't say when she was married. But, you know, we look back at Mary at this time, too. She could be between 12 and 16 years old at this time so is that kind of when she did add another seven years so long story short she's been a widow for a long time in her life you know when we when we think about this in the tribe of asher and she did not from depart from the temple she worshiped with fasting and prayer night and day maybe that was her calling maybe that was god's purpose for her life I, you know we don't really know we can speculate but it was clear that whatever it was she centered her life there that she was a prophetess and for whatever reason which we know to be the Holy Spirit that at that moment when Anna saw Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus 
she began to give thanks to God and to speak of God's glory in the Messiah, to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. I think we all need redemption in certain ways or another. I mean, look at what God has done in this. And I'm certainly not, you know, over-promising and under-delivering the performance of God. But look at Elizabeth and look at Zechariah in the beginning of the story. Elizabeth was barren, you know, and not having a baby. And they've been praying a long time for a baby. But God fulfilled that in that. And you could call that redemption. But... It's really being bought back from, again, the slavery of sin that we have so that we can even begin to walk in righteousness as God has called us to walk in righteousness. And so, again, considering all the people that God has used or revealed, you know, his plan and purpose to in order to witness, we have this widow who's the prophetess, Anna. We have the barren woman, Elizabeth. We have the priest, Zechariah. We've got the young country girl, Virgin and Mary. Uh, I don't know how you describe Joseph, just, you know, an average Joe. We've got the shepherds who are an average Joe. God has used you in this. God has used me in this. And so the gospel is for everyone. And we all need redemption from sin through the Lord Jesus. And so to bring it all home, praise the Lord that the favor of God here at the end was on his Christ. Because the revelation and the glory of the Lord's Christ has brought salvation to all people because we all need redemption from sin. And that is the gospel. And so, again, when you think about all the stuff that's going on in the world today, just remember that these are all temporary things. And I don't think you could willingly be like, yeah, I want to go back to first century Rome. I want to experience what the Christians experienced back in first century Rome. And then I want you to go to Revelation chapter 19. And I want you to think about that too. Because we all talk about, oh, you know, the end times. We're living in the end times. Like, that's scary stuff if we're living in the end times. When Jesus comes back on a horse with a sword and fire in his mouth. And then, you know, all the, all the everything that's going to happen. Like, man, I'm, I'm grateful that where I'm at. And I see that my duty as a Christian is to love the Lord your God and to love people as you know, ourselves, and, you know, to go and to share this good news, and I don't want to make it, of course, you know, the thing, because God prepares the path for us to walk, and God prepares for us to, you know, uh, have opportunities to evangelize and to discuss and communicate with other people, but here we are, and it's another day in the life of a human being and a day is a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. So we have nothing but time on our hands. And so in as far and as much as it depends on me to live peaceably with everyone, because praise the Lord that the favor of God rested on his Christ who has propitiated, saved me from the wrath of God, who has redeemed me, bought me back from the slavery of sin, who has justified me and declared me righteous on his behalf, reconciled me to have a right and real relationship with the creator of heaven and earth and everything in it, adopted me to be a son and daughter, or a son, you, you can be the daughter, <laughs> of the Lord Most High, um, called me to be a part of his church. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then he's sanctifying me and changing me and malleable, you know, molding my inner person to be more Christ-like in all this. And that someday I can look forward to the reality that I will be with God in his presence and his midst. And these, brothers and sisters, are the gospel truth. The gospel truth. The bigger truth than what you see and hear on a regular daily basis. This truth that is eternal 
rather than the temporary, unexplainable at times truth of what the world shows us or what the world wants us to see, or the prince of the power of the air, whatever he's doing. So again, the revelation and the glory of the Lord's Christ has brought salvation to all people because we all need redemption from sin. Praise the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the blessing of the Holy Spirit within us to verify and, and be excited about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and how we, Lord, have an opportunity to be a part of your kingdom and to have this relationship with you, but certainly to do it with reverence and respect for you, Lord, because you are holy. You are set apart from the rest of all of our understanding, and while your word certainly illuminates our hearts and our minds, and faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Lord, it's these blessings and these moments of us being together, of us not following the ways of the world, but learning and understanding the ways of our Lord, that we can have peace and to be assured of the salvation that you have given us, that you have started for us, and that you will see through to the day of completion when Christ comes back and returns and this world will be no more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Until that time, please use us well. Please bolster us in the spirit. Let us not be shy. Let us stand firm on the solid rock that is you, Christ. And let us not be shaken by the waves of the world. And find that peace with you and that peace of you that surpasses all understanding. So, Lord, we love you. We've come to worship, and we will continue to do so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, until next Sunday. And we just thank you for this. All this I pray forever and ever in my Lord and Savior Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome seeing you all this morning. Thank you. I wish I could, you know, shake your hands, wave hi, but... Thank you for all your support and encouragement over this time. I hope I've done the same for you. It's been a, a fantastic journey and continue to be so. And I'm just excited to watch God work in our lives, as I hope you are too. So until we meet again, peace.